Hello and welcome back to Victorial on Relay FM. I'm Quinn Rose and I didn't go to art school, but I love learning about art anyway. And I'm Betty. I also didn't go to art school, but I also really, really love learning about art anyway. I'm so excited for our topic today um, because we are stepping outside of the fine art world, um, as we love to do. We love to take a little gander around lots of other stuff, but um, a lot of our episodes are focused in fine art. But today we are going specifically outside of that, and we're going to talk about zines. Oh, I, I find zines interesting, but I don't know very much about them. Yeah, I was about to ask if you have any familiarity with scenes, if you've ever read any or made any or anything like that. I think the only familiarity I have a little bit is when we were talking about the um, lowbrow art and we mentioned some, like, I think zines. I don't know if, like, we're talking about a similar type of thing today, Um, but then the only... I have made a zine but i think back when i was in like grade six or something and i probably drew with markers <laughs> and made something <laughs> so that was the last time i did anything like that that's fun yeah for anyone who isn't familiar with scenes um it is short for magazine um it's you know <laughs> it's derivative of that but it is specifically uh they are small circulation um, often handmade, always kind of self-published works of text and or images. Um, and so it, zines are not a genre, they are a medium, um, but they do tend to fall into typical genres within that medium. So when I, a zine can be about anything, um, but Oftentimes, uh, zines are specifically made uh, in relation to certain movements, whether that be social movements, um, like uh, we'll get into this later, like there's a lot of um, like third wave feminism was associated with a big zine movement. Punk rock was associated with a big zine movement. Um, but there, And also lots of uh, fandom culture is related to zines as well. In the episode where we talked about um, I think it was concert posters. There's, there was like a, when I was, I, I don't think it really came up in the show, but when I was doing my research, I came across like kind of, you know, like z zines that also have these like similar styles as the concert posters because they happen to be the same like punk rock or whatever movement of, you know, th those posters. And, and I guess quite often these artists did posters as well as zines. That totally makes a lot of sense. Zines almost definitionally are small circulation. Um, typically, the definition of, is there's under a thousand copies, um, but most zines that are made are under a hundred copies um, at like the peak of them. Sometimes they are like actually handcrafted, like a person sat down and made something direct pen to paper, paint to paper, whatever it may be. Um, and, but oftentimes they are photocopied. And so there will be like an original that is made um, of, of some kind of zine. Um, and then there are like, you know, 20 photocopies made. And so there are these very small runs, very personal uh, creations. 
the whole premise behind zines is that they are this step outside of commercialism. The whole point is this personal connection between the creator and reader. And oftentimes readers of zines are also creators of zines. There's a very, very low barrier to entry because it's all of this like do-it-yourself culture. Um, they're often tackle things that are related to identity. Sometimes they're like sharing specific skills or art. Um, there, there could be narrative zines that are building on a story. Um, but the, the whole premise of them, like, again, technically, definitionally, a zine can be made about anything. But like, the inherent artistic premise of them is often about like, a rejection of commercialism and consumerism to be about like, we are developing personal relationships in the form of these small art forms. Yeah, that's, that's really interesting. And and I think now I, I that makes sense why we talked about some of them in the lowbrow art episode because you know that whole movement is about you know not being a commercialized art and being very much yeah like a grassroots or non-commercial um type of thing so I, I am glad to hear that a lot of them are handmade because before when I was like, oh, yeah, I drew a zine when I was in sixth grade with <laughs> markers. I, it turns out I did it correctly. <laughs> so. Yeah, that is absolutely in the spirit of zines. So I want to talk a little bit about the history of zines. Um, it is I saw something that said that it, it could be argued that zines trace their history back to Thomas Paine's common sense, <laughs> um, which was, you know, like the time of the American Revolution. Um, and, you know, he made his own leaflet that was like, here's my arguments. Uh, and it kind of was an early zine, of, you know, the, the self-publishing grassroots distribution. But that's not, you know, he certainly wouldn't think of it that way. <laughs> <laughs> um, some more direct roots yeah. of zines um, include the little magazines um, that came out of the Harlan Renaissance in the 1920s. Um, this was a big thing. It was like, uh, they weren't known as zines yet, but they are definitely like the precursor to what would become known as zines a couple decades later, which is again, these like small run, small print, um, a very DIY aesthetic and mentality um, for what was being made in, in the Harlem Renaissance. And then the, uh, Science fiction arrives. Mm. <laughs> so in the 19... Uh, so the, the the term zine was officially coined in 1940. Um, and it was kind of like coined within the science fiction fandom. And it was uh, popularized within that fandom. From like the 1930s to the 1960s, it was this whole big science fiction zine era. Because uh, the magazine Amazing Stories would allow readers to print their addresses in the magazine, which today sounds yeah, wild. Like, why would you do that? <laughs> but at the time, horrifying. they were like, it's 1926. I don't care about anything. It's the Great Depression. Well, it's not the Great Depression, I guess. It started in 1926. But soon it would be the Great Depression and, like, people had other things to worry about. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Yeah. But I guess if these zines only had say like a hundred of them, that's only a hundred people that will know where you live instead of like, if you put it on Twitter, it could be like the whole world. Yeah, that's the thing. So it was like, it was this this professional magazine called Amazing Stories and people could be like, yeah, put my address in there. Um, but even though it's, you know, put into this 
real magazine, it still feels so much like the print was so much smaller back then than like the the cap- capacity of the internet to, to dox yourself yeah. these days. <laughs> so what happened was people would put their addresses in there and then that created these kind of like fan mailing lists. So soon people were writing each other directly. They weren't even writing through the magazine. People would create these like literal chains of mailing lists back before email um, at, where they would share things back and forth. And this is start. This is where zines kind of as we know them today um, and as becoming known as zines or specifically at the time fanzines uh, because they were around uh, the, the term fanzine means that it's basically not around original uh, art or IP it's like based on an existing IP um, and, and an existing intellectual property and so it's like oh if like I'm a big fan of this science fiction story that I'm gonna make my own little fanzine that's related to that science fiction story um so and that became a really big thing in the subculture so it's basically like an early form of fanfics yes <laughs> uh, in fact some of them were just straight up fan fiction um because of course, as with everything related to fandom history that's ever happened, the Star Trek fandom was on it. <laughs> of course. So anyone out there who's ever studied anything about fandom um, and the development of fandom in sort of modern day knows that Star Trek is like patient zero for anything <laughs> fandom. It's like the thing that fandom was created for. Um, and so this was a this was in the 1960s. Um, and... The fandom of Star Trek at the time uh, was basically almost exclusively female um, and uh, also everyone, <laughs> I shouldn't say everyone, and also it was like the the development of slash fiction, which is when you put two people together in a fanfic who aren't together in the real show, that's called sl- slash fix. Um, and so slash fix of our main characters, Kirk and Spock, were were very popular and like this is how that whole concept got developed and popularized was through star trek fandom i i mean that makes sense but i totally didn't even realize that (laughs) oh yeah the depths of star trek fandom it is unbelievable (laughs) like some of the very first academic writing on fandom that was ever published was in the 80s and it was about uh fanzines that were kirk spock slash fiction (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that is great. <laughs> what a what a beautiful world. <laughs> yeah, of course. It's like we think about the internet and the way that fandom exists on the internet is such is such a thing, but it's like fandom did not arise out of the internet. Fandom adapted to the internet. It's like we had every everything that's in fandom existed pre-internet. It just was a lot slower before. It was harder to reach people. Um, but yeah, there's nothing. I mean, I guess people will edit videos and put them online now, but they're like, <laughs> yeah. they're, in terms of like the relationship building and the way that people um, relate to shows and like write fiction about shows and like all of this different stuff, like all that existed pre-internet. It was not an internet born phenomena. That makes sense. Yeah. And also in this area of like the 30s through the 60s, like peak sci-fi zine era you even had popular published authors who kind of created or contributed to zines like isaac asimov octavia butler um and these were sometimes known as pro zines because they were like zines but they were like more they were made by professionals and so it wasn't quite the same thing but it was like participating in this culture that's around this fandom and then since 1955 the hugos which is like the preeminent science fiction awards um give out an award for best fanzine and so there's they're still giving out that award today um and maybe 
you out there can make the best zine about something related to science fiction. You can win a Hugo for it. If I find that zine I made in grade six, I'll I'll put it I'll put it in as like a self nomination. <laughs> yeah, just draw a little enterprise on it, and you'll <laughs> yeah. be right in there. Fantastic. <laughs> so moving out of that era, um, we mentioned earlier the punk scenes. Um, so. This is really big in the 1970s. The whole punk movement was very much, um, it was about the music, but it also was about this whole DIY subculture, this idea of like, we're rejecting consumerism, um, we're rejecting the man, big government, like all this stuff. And we, there's a very an anarchist strain through punk culture. Um, and so zines fit really well into that. And they were actually really instrumental in popularizing punk outside of the uk and the usa um and like spreading uh punk music and punk concepts uh throughout the world into different regions of the world where were through these zines um that were sent around so that was pretty cool and then in the 1990s we had another huge swell of zine culture through the riot girl movement um and third wave feminism. So this was like kind of similar to the punk stuff, but more specifically female. Riot Girl was basically like an alternative punk movement that specifically rejected like the male dominance of 1970s punk um, and was like, we are going to build our own very explicitly feminist uh, version of this movement. And so, and, and zines as a concept to me are always very closely associated with the 90s riot girl third wave feminism stuff because i feel like because the whole idea of zines is very built on this like we are outside of the mainstream and we are building our own our own thing and like anyone can choose to take a step outside of the mainstream and explore that but like some people are inherently born outside of the mainstream and so like obviously if you're part of a marginalized group there is a lot more that sort of naturally works with this whole ethos there's obviously a lot to criticism in terms of like 90s riot girl feminism and how effective that actually was and like whether it just kind of served like middle class white women. Um, but for everyone who was just like a middle class white woman who was like kind of appropriating these ideas, there were a lot of people who were like very genuinely on the margins. Um, and so I feel like I'm, I'm like one step away from calling these people posers um <laughs> but okay but this is this is like kind of the era for it because in the 1990s you also had like companies starting to notice zines for the first time and by the end of the 1990s you have a bigger commercialization of it and like taking the aesthetic of zines while not actually being the same diy idea it was not like a grassroots collective right. it was like oh we're walmart and we're coming <laughs> for your zines i don't know if walmart specifically did this um <laughs> yeah. but yeah this this commercialism by like bigger publishers and everything and so like if you were a zine creator in the 90s and then you like signed a deal with someone you were selling out um and on one hand that's really hard because like we talk a lot about art and money and it's really hard to make money doing art and i want people to get paid but it is hard when like the entire political concept behind your art is that people aren't making money off of <laughs> yeah. it and it is a way to like organize and have personal connections and share things outside of a capitalist structure and then you're like gotta pay the bills though deuces <laughs> yeah and i feel like this comes up time and time again like when we talked about Lobar, obviously a lot of these artists 
that were outside of the mainstream have become successful and then you know they they now sell for like tens or hundreds of thousands of dollars and then when we talked about the florida highwaymen it was the same thing they used to sell their paintings for ten dollars but now it's like fifty thousand a hundred thousand so it's and then there's always going to be that moment where people are like oh these people have sold out and it's just like well yeah they gotta pay the bills (laughs) yeah it's a delicate balance So that kind of brings us to modern day. Uh, There was a decline in popularity around the late 90s, early 2000s, because the kind of people who were making zines started getting on the internet. And so instead of making zines, they were making web pages. And um, that kind of replaced it for a while. But then in the 2010s, there was a resurgence of popularity because they started being more and more zine archives um, and kind of academic and institutional attention to like collecting zines, preserving them, um, giving them more of a recognition on that level. And so now there's there's lots of libraries and archives who do have zine archives. There are organizations that are specifically dedicated to cataloging and preserving zines. um, And there's been more and more academic study about them. So it's still very much something that is like the creation of zines is still remains strong to the original ethos that developed, which is like, it's a do-it-yourself thing. It's a small press thing. There are like some small presses that publish zines, but for the most part, it's still very much self-publishing. But there is now more of at least pockets of academic focus of like, well, uh, like other kind of forms of lowbrow art, <laughs> they're still worth uh, preserving and they still hold a tremendous amount of cultural value. Um, especially ones like if we had had every zine from like the 70s punk movement preserved, like imagine what that could have told us about the relationships in the 70s. Um, and so people are now trying to preserve as many of these as they can, both from previous eras and the ones that are made today. Um, and whether that there might, there are like some general interest archives. There are some that are like specific archives. Like there's a, there's a, and specifically there's a queer zine archive project, um, which I th- believe has physical archives in Milwaukee. I want to say, I know they're like Midwest based, um, but yeah, there's lots of places that you can go to learn more. Um, we're not going to get too far into talking about like the archives and stuff, but I'm going to include in the show notes a bunch of links to like places you can go to learn more about zines, um, just because I think it's interesting. So if you're interested in that, um, but also that this is just general to everyone is that the whole point of zines is that it's very like on the ground, and so there probably is. If you live near a city, there probably is like a local bookstore in that city that sells zines. Um, or if you don't live in a city, there's lots of places on the internet that you can go to like join zine communities and to learn more about them. Um, or maybe there's like a small town zine shops that are like, I don't know where you live. Um, <laughs> yes. so- I thought you were going to say, if you don't live in a city, you should get yourself to one. <laughs> like- no 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 yeah. i mean maybe but like you know i'm not gonna speak for everyone yeah um, but yeah but sorry the, but the point i'm trying to make is that uh it's great to learn about like the library of congress zine archive because it's very cool um but it's even better to learn about what are people in your local area actually making um and what are people doing for zine creation actually in your community whether that be your geographic community or like your internet community um there are I guarantee you there are people out there making them and it's really, really fun. Yeah, I think that's the beauty about this type of content is that it is 
like yeah there could be a zine for just about anything and and if it quite often if it is because it is just someone in a small town making a zine for their town or something whatever um it, it, i feel like you can get so many just um very unique like works and just very unique like histories and cultures and just yeah like information about things that you would have never been able to have access to in the mainstream yeah that that's such a good point like the proliferation of ideas um is another thing that like we talk about a lot being on the internet um and being able to access lots of different things that you wouldn't necessarily come across but like this is the the blueprint of that in many ways um and it still is that there's lots of stuff that like because the internet is so consolidated um, into these giant social media conglomerates now, like um, it's they, these places have rules and they have censorship of different forms. Um, and on one level, you like need that to have a civilized social media platform. Um, but there are a lot of things that people want to talk about that um, are censored off of those sites um, and talking about like, life experiences and identities and, and things that aren't pretty and uh, things that aren't considered appropriate that are still like very much have a home in zines because no one can tell you what to write in those. You can write whatever you want. Yeah. And, and I think like, you know, what you're talking about in terms of these physical archives, like, I think this is another example of like people think the internet has like everything, but then when you start to look for quality content, um, mm. it doesn't <laughs> like whether that that's like books or, you know, like papers or, or you know, other literature or art or um, just good information for researching of your YouTube videos, like whatever it is that you like, I realize that. You know, I still have to go to a physical library. Like a lot of things are are still just in print, and I think this is an example of something that, um, yeah, you like the, the internet just doesn't have, or at least it doesn't have yet. And even if it does, I feel like so many of these would be better better experienced physically anyway. Um, so like it, 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 I think it's a good way to remind us that like the internet doesn't have everything. It actually has very little. <laughs> so yeah yeah there's there's a lot out there that's actually still just on paper <laughs> yeah to peel back the curtain for a moment um before we started this episode i asked betty if she wouldn't mind having paper available and i feel like maybe now you might know why i asked you for that <laughs> yeah. i i do i feel like i'm back in uh grade six again <laughs> <laughs> that's right so i thought maybe we could both make little zines right here right now oh yeah sure i just so i grabbed a notebook of mine um but i can like rip out a piece of paper from it or i can just use the notebook i don't know what, what is the best way yeah i like i truly i did not plan anything for this in advance because i thought it could be fun to just have a little bit of a conversation of just in the moment of what we could do and then maybe we'll actually like make them on our own time later but I want to at least start them here today um so I I had I grabbed a field notes journal and then I tore out two pages and folded them together and I think I'm going to kind of staple them and cut them to make a tiny little book so I think that's my plan okay I might do something similar too yeah okay all right 
I have made a tiny little, uh, very horizontal booklet. So I like, I like the aesthetic of how these pages look because it's so little. <laughs> now that we have our pages out here today, um, for all the things that we talked about today where we're these different kind of premises for topics of zines. Were there any that spoke to you? Um, yeah, that is a good question. Um, I guess what I'm thinking in my head is like, if I were to make a zine, I would want it to be about a topic that I'm familiar with. Um, cause like, I feel like if I were to make a punk rock zine, I would have to go do some research <laughs> about punk rock. <laughs> This is my zine about how I don't know about punk rock. (laughs) Yeah, so, um, and so I feel like, yeah, like, I'm trying to think of, like, what is something that is, like, that I know about specifically that is not, like, a super mainstream thing that I would want to, um, make a zine about. And, uh, the first thing that comes to mind is making a pictorial zine, (laughs) so... All right, this is getting meta. <laughs> yeah, so, um, I mean, yeah, and then the only other thing I can think of is um, I'm just, like, looking at my what's around my area right now, and I have a little Pokemon plush, so I don't know, I can make, like, a zine about Pokemon or something. <laughs> oh, my God, maybe you should make a Pokemon pictorial zine. Oh. Maybe the be... Pokemon are learning about art. That's true they could be <laughs> so the way you said that was so much like and that's a good idea and anyway and another idea <laughs> sorry i didn't mean it to be so like uh no <laughs> so, that was so funny oh that's great um yeah should... did you have any thoughts i don't know i've been trying to think um maybe i've been thinking about so i've been um for my job, I've recently been reading a lot of early 20th century letters. Um, and I was thinking of – because I do a lot I, – I really like quotes. I'm not a big drawer. I don't really – like I, I enjoy visual art, obviously, but I don't tend to create visual art. I do crafts, and then I do a lot of stuff with words. Um, and so I was thinking maybe – Maybe I can make a zine that's just like fun quotes from these letters that I found because some of them are so weird. Mm-hmm. And I think that could be really fun and cute. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, I think I think I'm I'm leaning towards the a pictorial zine. And then if I am feeling creative, I'll throw a Pokemon here and <laughs> here and there. What would you want to do for the pictorial zine? Would it be like about making the show or would it be like inspired by a specific episode i feel like i'm in my head i'm thinking now like yeah like about the show maybe it's like highlights of pictorial in the last year or something is like we talked about this and this and you know like um yeah like i don't know maybe just kind of an an overview of of pictorial is what I was thinking. Maybe I'll draw some Keith Herring, Herring doodles. Um, oh, that sounds so cute. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe I'll draw a jug of milk that's in someone's dream. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm just thinking out loud here of what no, we're talking about. That's so cute. About. It's like a like an introduction to pictorial. Yeah. I. Yeah. That's. I think so. So yeah. Um, 
cool. Did you do we want to make like make something now or do we want to just like make it later and then post it? No, that's really I was just thinking if you're okay, if you're gonna do that, then maybe I'll do I'll do my quotes, but I'll try to do a little like a little comic illustration to go with each quote. So like when you open a page, like one page is the quote and the other page is the drawing. Yeah, that's... this is my really advanced <laughs> idea. Oh yeah, no, mine is probably gonna be like a blurb about an episode and a sketch of it. So whether that's a jug of milk dream or a Keith Haring doodle, um, oh, I like that. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm thinking. I want us to challenge ourselves right now to do the title page of the zine, and then we can send each other pictures, and then we can finish the rest in our own time and post them with this episode. Yeah. Sure. Okay. Cool. I will. I will start right now. All right. Um, I've got my special Relay FM pen uh, that I'm going to be drawing this with. Oh, nice. Oh, <laughs> mine is somewhere in a drawer. So I'm just using my pen that I grabbed from my bag. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, this is so cute. Betty has done a very cute sketch of our pictorial show art. People have always been weird. Quotes from 20th century letters. I like this. I like the, this a The lot. title is, I felt inspired for the title. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I'm going to take a wild guess to say that some of these quotes are weird. Oh my God. People are so weird. I love it. <laughs> That's great. All right. Well, that was really fun. Yeah. That was kind of just a, a because, you know, usually I'd, I would bring examples of like, here's this famous thing of whatever, but that's not really in the zine spirit. So I thought like, let's take a couple minutes and just develop zine ideas sitting right here and see what happens. And I'm really happy with what we came up with. That was really fun. Yeah, me too. Uh, well, <clears throat> anyway, yeah, I, I do, you know what? I think our second episode, we like made a post a postcard for Sonia Delaunay and that was a lot of fun, but we haven't done too many like hands-on, like actually making art. We should do more of it. I know. This is great. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks so much for making a little zine with me. Um, oh, no problem. Thank you for suggesting it. Yeah. Uh, so if you would like to see our show notes, uh, you can go to relay.fm slash pictorial. Um, you can also find us on Twitter or Instagram at pictorialpod. And then you could find me on Instagram at Quinster Rose. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at ArticulationsV. And I'm also on YouTube as Articulations. And speaking of YouTube, uh, we have a YouTube channel, Pictorial Podcasts, where we have video versions of our audio episodes that come out um, a few months after this episode goes out in audio form. So when this goes out, uh, you will you will see some of our some more development of our scenes. Thanks for listening, art enthusiasts.